Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Jacob Garza on the call here today. Jacob, I really appreciate your time. And I'm just going to direct everybody to your website because you've got really a flushed out website. There's a lot of content there. So head over to reap, R-E-E-P, equity.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. But uh, Jacob, we're going to spend a little time with multifamily and, and probably a little property management here today. Well, Jack, thank you for having me on. I certainly appreciate it. And uh, you're right. We're going to dive right into uh, multifamily investing and uh, property management because we do both at our group. Yeah. So th- that's one of the big interesting things. That I'm probably just going to dive right into that. You know, I, and and I know that uh, we're we're kind of pressed for time here today. So we're we're gonna gonna kind of forego like how you got into real estate investing and and some of the background, because frankly, I think you probably have shared that story a million times over. But uh, you really have a integration here regarding your acquisition, and you're dealing with multifamily, and and you're doing property management, everything. So um, I find that a really interesting approach. What made you decide to integrate all of your businesses like that? Yeah. So 10 years ago, when we first started, I'm, I'm kind of a um... I'm a little geek when it comes to uh, learning new things. And my previous background, I had some software companies out of Dallas. So we moved to San Antonio in 2007, bought our first property in 2012. So it's been 10 years. And before I handed it off to a third party, I I really wanted to understand, you know, how revenue was generated, you know, how to control expenses and just get, just kind of get to know um, what I like to call the ultimate end user experience. In other words, who pays you the money? You look at look at any kind of product that's out there, whether it's Starbucks, Apple, all the big guys or gals, they really understand their customers. So that that's what that's what led us to start our, our own management company and, and just get granular with what's what was what's out there. So that that's why we did it. So you really focus on that tailored experience with your residents. Is that fair to say? Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, and here, here's the here. If, if your users have to go at this point, the one thing I want them to know is if you take care of your tenants, they will pay the gardening, landscaping. They'll pay the make readies, and they'll they'll pay the mortgage. And I know that's oversimplified and it's said a lot, but that's the absolute truth. If you focus on them and make sure that they have a home and be responsive. And we can talk about how do you capitalize a project, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs or inexperienced syndicators come in, they don't capitalize their projects well enough. Uh, and it, it, it goes downhill very quickly uh, when you get behind on a property. But I mean, if you do that, Jack, uh, you know, you're going to have a property that's just going to be above the rest that's out there. And if things start to tighten up, yeah, you may go from eight to, to 12% return down to five to seven, but you're not going to lose your shirt. And when the economy comes back, uh, an all economy cycle, you'll be standing proud and tall and uh, so on the rest of your assets. So when you say, you know, that user experience, I, you know, the, I, I hate, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that I'm focused so much on, on this aspect of it, but you really have a good point. You even brought up Apple 
for example, you know, they're able to charge a premium for their devices typically because of the experience people receive there. Is that kind of in a nutshell what you're suggesting? Absolutely. And the experience starts with on the move in. I, I can't tell you how many times people move in and the, and the, and it's the small things that matter, you know, and, and if you want to drive your resident experience, you have to train your people. And these look, uh, make ready guys don't make 12 bucks an hour. Okay. They just don't. They're craftsmen, a lot of them. And I know it sounds impossible, but when they're fixing things and paying details and touch up paint, it's the attitudes that matter. And if you pay these people well enough, uh, yeah, your payroll is not 1200 bucks a door anymore. And that's just out the window. It's, it's much higher than that. You will, you will see an amazing transformation uh, on your, on your uh, resident retention and how people uh, talk about your property and bring in the, their, their cousins and their, their uncles. And that's who you want. You really want a community that's there. And uh, that's where it starts and just continues to manifest. So the experience goes much more than just the move-ins and, oh, I'm so happy and right, maintenance. Uh, that's another one. You know, people stay for maintenance. They'll lease for the leasing agent, but they'll, they're going to stay. They've got good maintenance. So, you know, one of the aspects that you specialize in is when you when you purchase a property, you're looking for properties that you can do that value add. I understand that part of your business. But is what you're suggesting here today is that that user experience is the biggest value add that you? Absolutely. It's a huge component. I mean, you have to go in and do the big stuff if you if it's a big capital project, right? Um, new paint, let's say new playground, transform the the uh, amenities, if you would go in and and uh, uh, put a playground. So those big value adds are are. are they're easy to do. It's not, it's not hard to mess up a paint job. Uh, but when you go in and address the make readies for the first time, a lot of times it's done by an outside company and they're pretty professional and know what to do. But when you, you know, when you start turning your rent roll, it's your maintenance staff and your, and your make ready staff that really starts to have a huge impact on that user experience. And it's also the, the, the people on the inside of the office and how they, how they, interact with the staff and any kind of uh, notices to give to the staff and after hours events that, that all, that's all, that's really big too. That, that really helps create the, the whole experience of these users. Sure. So with all that being said, let's, let's give our listeners a couple action items. What are some of those low hanging fruits that you've, you found that make a huge difference for the experience for your resident? Yeah, the, the first one is just uh, get your residents, get the inside staff and your maintenance people to just engage in the residents. And if they say they're going to do something, they have to do it. I mean, it's just, you know, you had to be extremely responsive. That's, a, that's the first thing they're going to notice. When we take over properties, these, it, a lot of times the, the staff members just aren't engaged. Now, I don't know if that's they don't care or I'm not going to say they don't care. I'm not going to say maybe they're not trained well. Maybe their ex- level of expectation isn't there. But to me, that's the that's the biggest thing you can do is 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 have your teams empowered to make these decisions. They have to have a budget to go fix stuff. You can't micromanage them. So that's that's the first thing. Uh, someone who's listening that they can they can make a huge difference in their in their uh, residents' uh, attitude towards the, the property. Yeah, I, I find it interesting when you say that and point it out. It sounds so obvious, but 
it actually is quite common, isn't it? That uh, under promise or over promise under deliver in a lot of aspects, especially when you're probably taking over some of these multifamilies. Yeah. And you can, you, you'll be able to tell pretty quickly when you take over a property, it's, it all boils down to the culture. And if they're not given a budget and if they're, if they're, if they're being micromanaged, you're just not going to build a company that is uh, accountable. You're, you're going to build one that uh, manages by, you know, fear or, or other type of motives. Just, it's just not healthy for the, for the culture. There's no recognition and that just tends to domino downhill. And it and, and unfortunately, I I see it. It happens in, in our in our business. Despite the fact, I think we have one of the nicer, uh, more professional businesses uh, that that you know out there, and certainly one that gives opportunity for anyone uh, in property management that can be a porter one day, and they can make it all the way up to Lincoln or Camden, which they're documented success stories like that. Uh, so it's it's a great business, and it's very rewarding. And it's a very good, it's a feel good business when you able to take over a property and come back even 30 days later, and six months later, and just, and just see the residents, how happy they are. And everything just kind of takes over itself at that point. Right. So you, you mentioned early in this conversation uh, that it even boils down to their move-in experience. What are you doing differently there that people should take note? First thing that needs to happen is the re- the property manager, the maintenance they have to be a tune of people who who aren't living in the in the residence. We all have skips, and that's the thing. That's another thing. If they're not engaged, you know, you, have, you don't have a, an apartment unit that just goes south on you, and refrigerator stinks, and it just roach infested, and it just creates all kinds of problems. So, first thing I'm going to do is 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 identify these units and trash them out quickly, or if a move out happens. You know, it's inspected within 24 hours and and the checklist and parts are ordered and that property is just get back back online. You know, these properties, um, the units, they I like to say they die after about eight months. You just got this this awful feeling inside of a unit that's not being cared for, not being loved. No one's living in it. Mm-hmm. And it, it they, they will. And it'll just take on a whole different uh, feel. Um, and, and that affects other residents. So that's the first thing is, is, is get these vacant units, uh, made, made ready again. One of the, one of the things I like to look for is uh, vacant, not made ready. And again, that's, you know, 10 days max. I mean, these, these units need to be turned and need to be made ready and, and they need to be, have someone, uh, living habitable in them. Sure. So that that's a big key thing there is in and it's kind of understandable. Like uh, some some properties or some owners, they uh, when a, when a resident moves out, for the for some situations, the, the that expenditure can be pretty large. No, no question. And uh, unit inspections are very important. I mean, when you go in and do the filter change or courtesy battery smoke battery changes, um, the maintenance team or the or the eyes and the ears, and that's something. When my wife and I started this business 10 years ago, uh, we realized uh, the staff is super important. And you know, Jack, uh, 10 years, five years ago, you could buy a property and go to sleep for two years, wake up and sell it for, you know, almost, you know, half of what it was worth when you bought it or double, mm-hmm. I should say. Uh, and, you know, as, as, as prices have, have continued to skyrocket, you know, cap rates are suppressed considerably. 
Um, it's about the management company. It's the decade of the management company. You have to be a solid operator to to um, to cash flow these properties, and 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 it's very competitive uh, to hire staff on properties. So you 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 have an advantage when you have and you know build a culture and you have owners that care and. Like I said, well-capitalized properties, that's that's a big one. It can make a real difference. Yeah. So what tools do you use or leverage then in order for your boots on the ground to be able to communicate what's going on with the individual units so that you can take whatever action that needs to happen? Well, um, I wish I could take credit uh, for this, uh, but when we got to about, I don't know, 300 units, my wife and I were basically uh, regional managers at that point, we really couldn't grow our acquis- our syndication side, our buying side. So we actually went third party uh, till we got about a thousand units, and that's when you can have enough scale to hire staff. So that's kind of lesson number two. You want to start your own management company. It's it's probably easier to start it at you know a thousand to fifteen hundred units because you know you you've got the fees to hire the accounting, to hire the HR, hire someone higher than a regional manager, a director level. Because uh, at that point you're probably going to have you know six or eight properties, um, but but now our, our property is run by uh, someone with 15, 15, 16 years in the business. Uh, we're at three thousand uh, units now. We have uh, seven in Houston and six here in San Antonio, and uh, she does a fantastic job of marshalling our troops. And making sure the docs all get connected, if you would, from what our vision is as buyers to the business plan over here as operators. And that just really makes a tight, nice, you know, good circle uh, up into disposition till we sell till we sell it. Yeah, you, I noticed that you have all of your properties in Texas there. Is there is there a reason for that? Yeah, a couple of things. First and foremost, uh, Texas is just a great place for jobs. It's very business friendly. We have job growth. The current jobs that are here are continuing to grow. And when you have that, people move here. And that continues to have a lot of demand. If you have a lot of demand and, and little supply, you're going to make, you know, you're going to make more money on your properties. And, you know, we're operators first and foremost, uh, then we're, in, you know, we're investors. And, and that sounds backwards. The fiduciary is the investor. I get that. But to make the to get the investor the return, it is the operator. That's that's just that's my take. So um, yeah, I, I I think I forgot the question here. Where I was kind of rambled here. Oh um, yeah, I was just wondering why you focus so heavily on Texas. But yeah, so so that that's the the, the economic fundamentals of investments are here. Okay. Mm-hmm. The second one is I, I think the mistake some people make is they'll go out and buy a property in and and Atlanta, which is another wrong with that. It's another state like we have. Tennessee, another great state. Uh, the you know Arizona, Phoenix. There, that's a great place. Also, uh, Florida, uh, parts of Florida, and they 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 don't build any scale. You know, to get to know the market in Tennessee and buy one property, and then to go off and buy one in Atlanta and buy one buy one in in Orlando, for example. You, you're trying to figure out three different markets and three different broker groups or three different you know. It just it just takes a while. My my and business is business one on one to me. If you can focus on a particular market and get some scale, you're you're going to get the deals that come to you. The broker's going to call you and says, "My broker, my my seller just asked me to buy, tap, pick the top five buyers." And you know what? You're number five, and they're probably comparing you to people who've been in there 20, 30 years. But you know, you bought three properties here. They're recent. I've known you. People know you. 
They say you do what you do. And so you can get to five and six and eight and 12 properties pretty quickly. Uh, so that's why we we focused here in San Antonio first. We've gone full cycle on five properties and no, eight properties. So it, it, it just made sense for us to build our portfolio here in San Antonio. Then we went to Houston th- three years ago. And now we're, we're starting to build a lot of scale there and, and here. We're still, we're still in San Antonio quite a bit. So I, that's yeah. why we do it. No, I, I think that's especially important. I, I, I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, uh, doing exactly what you suggested earlier. They're buying properties throughout the country. And then I'm, I'm sure you've kind of sidestepped some of those pain points. I, I mean, in, in this aspect, because uh, understanding your one market is, is very important, especially when you're talking about 3000 units. Um, before we move into the next topic that I'm going to uh, hit you up on, I wanted to remind everybody to uh, find your website again, which is reap equity.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes, but you make sure to put R-E-E-P equity.com when you do that search. So another thing that I think is interesting is that you you mentioned a, a thousand units, 1500 units for you to start your own property management business. But uh, to be frank, and I'm going to be pretty blunt about this, for the most part, every time I've had a third-party management company handling any of my rental properties, it seems like there's a bit of a confrontation that occurs. Our, our interests aren't aligned usually, and I would, I would think that that would be a big benefit of what you're talking about. Yeah, you bring up an excellent point, and, and you have to have your, your um, business um, philosophy, your uh, business goals align your um, word escapes me here, but um, they're, they're intangibles, right? They have nothing to do about nothing to do about the track record. They have everything to do with the culture, how they communicate with people, how they, how they treat other people. And you'll find that out, you know, over lunch with a, with the right property management company. And, and that is, that is absolutely the case is to get someone who, who thinks like you, has the same values as you, the core values, uh, and that that's that's sometimes hard to find. How important is it when you were talking about your value, your business values, and and a few other things? Did you find it, it important to write those things down, make sure that it's easily communicated, or is it something that you've just kind of baked into everybody that works there? No, we we uh, we have those values and. Uh, they're a part of our our culture, and um, they're they're extremely important. And th- this is the momentum side as well too. We're, we're probably 110 employees now. When you consider uh, the people at our equity group, the people at our corporate office for their property management, and then all the site teams, and the, the president of REAP Management, that's our management company. She's done a very good job of creating the culture on the site. And at our corporate office, that that lends very very well to uh, attracting people, if you would, without even asking them. You know, birds of a feather flock together. It's the truth. And now we're starting to get to a point where people can feel in an interview if this if they think we're silly or we think we're too serious or nah, it's not for me. I, they're going to watch me too much. Uh, or the flip side, which is wow, I really want to work here. I've heard about REIT. You know, I know I've known Kevin for a while. I've known Jill for a while, and I really want to come to work for you guys. And those people just—you could just shows right up in an interview, uh, and then it becomes just can can they do it? 
Well, most likely, yeah, the answer is heck, you can you can do the job. the The hard part is just finding the right the right person with the right culture. Right. I was going to talk about like you know you've talked about you've accumulated three thousand units now over ten years. You're probably doing this now through syndication, and and based on what people have been hearing here today is is the best place to learn about what you do regarding your syndications is through your website as well well there's a couple things to that um but you're right we bought our first we bought a 24 unit a 28 unit an 88 unit 150 unit my wife needed it all by ourselves and then we realized you know at some point you need you're, you need to syndicate if you're going to grow because you're going to run out of money okay, if you have 50 million dollars and right now we've raised 98 million dollars of our money and other people's money. And that's a, to buy. We have uh, 400 million in assets now, if you add them up, what they're worth. So, um, and what was your question again, Jack? I'm, I'm rambling. Yeah, again. no, I was just wondering about this, your syndication and if if people would like to get involved in some way, how would they do so? Okay, so they can go to our website, certainly. And they have uh, some terms that we have in our blog and we talk about what we do. And I think that's one thing. If, if I were them, I would, um, I would join a, a mentor group. Uh, that's what we did. We joined a couple of them just to see. And then we ended up with one. I probably joined three. And they're, and they're all out there. Uh, and to me, a couple of things. There's, I don't think there's any question. There's successful people in our business that have never joined a mentor group. And they've done very well. I've always believed that a a, a good mentor or education group uh, can flatten the learning curve and can help you make help you save you from big mistakes. And everybody out there, if you've got more time and more money, you're going to go faster. But you have to hit all the rungs. You can't skip them all. You know, so time and money help you get through them faster. But it, it, we've been in this 10 years, and I can tell you, we're much different than we were five years ago. We're much mm-hmm. different than we were two years ago. And we really weren't that much different the first five years. <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just takes it just takes time, you know? But then it really starts, the momentum really starts to kick in. So this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Nothing is. But you know what? I love real estate, Jack, because it's horizontal. Everybody understands it. It's not technology that's very vertical, and nobody knows what they're doing, and it's just, it's just hard to get everybody to understand your business. And it's something everybody needs, right? Everybody needs to live in a house. They need to eat and live in a house. So that, that I would recommend to the group, the, your listeners, just to find someone who has their best interests at heart and can teach them. Uh, and we've been asked, can you mentor me? Can you coach me? And that's the most flattering thing uh, my wife and I can hear. But the reality is we're just not good teachers. Uh, and we don't, our time's you know, you just don't have the time either. So they're, they're best off with somebody who does it professionally and, you know, also buys properties. And they're, they're a lot in this space. Yeah, no, I can't agree with you more on that. You might as well learn from somebody who's already been there. And uh, I, I really appreciate your time today. There was quite a few things to unpack in today's uh, show. Uh, and uh, you gave quite a few great tidbits there, you know, and, and I know we're kind of bumping at the, the top of the hour here, but before I let you go, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Let's see. Yeah, there's, I've got, I got to have one, uh, Jack. Well, and, and if, if you come to a blank, that that's perfectly fine as well. Yeah, I, I guess I'll call it a draw. I'll call it a blank today. <laughs> no, that last tidbit alone was, was, uh, was a great addition to the show. Uh, and, and 
I I can't thank you enough. I I hope you'll consider uh, coming back on the show sometime where we can kind of dive a little deeper because there's, I'm sure that there's a ton of unpacking we could do just around mindset because whether you, you, you mentioned a couple times how this is a long game and this is something, this is not a get rich quick, but you've accomplished, you and your wife have accomplished a ton in 10 years, up to 3000 units, starting multiple businesses, being vertically aligned like you are, that there is a lot of information there that I'm sure that, that people could learn from. Absolutely, Jack. I'd love to come back on and share our story. And if it can help uh, your listeners, uh, that would be, that would be great because we're, you know, it's amazing. We're still getting help today. You just move the decimal point over. We still get help. We get mentored. We, we look up to people and it, it's all, it all, it's just one big circle. So absolutely love to come back. Well, I appreciate it. Well, again, head over to reapequity.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes, but we'll see you next time. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.